Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello. Honestly, never mind. Wow. <laughs> wow. Pat is feeling very salty today, folks. Very, very salty, but we're still going to keep that conversation going, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversations on social media. You can definitely hit up Pat on Twitter. He'll interact with you. Yes. Maybe if he's feeling in a better mood, we'll kind of see how the show goes today. Also, make sure to check out the T Public Store sale going on this week, Pad. Mm. No better time to buy some yes. new ODPH gear, especially the new five-year logo, which is out right now for sale. Like, seriously, it's a best time to go get anything ODPH from the T Public Store, so make sure to keep an eye out for that. This weekend, we'll be definitely advertising that a little bit more. But you can find it right on odphpodcast.com, along with the classified section, which has friends of the show like 8122 Productions, the directory where we have the podcast on your favorite player. And if it's not there, we need to know why. And so much more. Man, I could keep rambling on about the ODPH website, but that's why I say just simply, if it's anything and everything of the ODPH, swing on over to odphpodcast.com. And always on social media, remember use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the sports show, we have to put an end to the NBA season and yet restart it? Kind of. Because there's a lot going on this week that we have to recap, and most importantly has been the NBA Finals. Yeah. That shocker to no one, if you listen to last week's show, and thank you for everybody who did record numbers too, by the way, we had a feeling it was going to be done in game six. That mm-hmm. There was no chance that this was going back to Golden State unless they were going to have a parade. Yeah, The Golden State Warriors seemed to be clicking on all cylinders. Boston was getting punched in the mouth by a team that was playing better defense than they were. Uh-huh. And that is so weird to say if you look at the matchup of the Celtics and the Warriors. Yes. Golden State is not exactly known for their staunch defense, if I yeah, can use that word. They play defense, just not as well as some of the other teams in the NBA. Right. They play defense, but it's not exactly like lights out, shut down. No way. That, no. that, that does not get referred to with Golden State's no. defense. Offense, yeah, you can definitely say they'll they'll definitely keep shooting three-pointers till there's nothing left in the building. Facts. But this is a situation that Boston was throwing this big curveball and did not know how to recover. So let's break down the game, and then we'll kind of put a cap on the season here, Pat. Sure. Uh, so obviously game six went the way of the Golden State Warriors by the final score of 103-90. to You had Draymond Green, 12 points. Uh, Otto Porter Jr., 6 points. Uh, 18 points from Andrew Wiggins, Curry with 34, and then 12 points from uh, Clay Thompson. Also of note, uh, on the Warriors bench, you had uh, Jordan Poole with 15 points. Uh, and then on the flip side for the Boston Celtics, you had Tatum with 13 points. Uh, what was this? Uh, Igu- or, uh, Al Horford with 19 points. Uh, then you had uh, Williams the third uh, with 10 points. Uh, Marcus Smart only with nine. Uh, Jalen Brown with 34 points. And then, eh, well, not really much to say about their bench. Uh, combined a uh, total of five points off their bench players. I think this game can be very easily summed up as the championship experience showed up here. Golden State 
knew what was at stake. And obviously, they did not want to take any chances with a Game 7. No. They went in there to absolutely put a statement end to the series. Mm-hmm. And they did. I mean, jumping out the gate, they were on a 20-2 to two run. Something like that, yeah. Early in the game. And when they established that tempo... Boston legitimately, in my opinion, did not know how to recover. They all didn't know how to recover. They also didn't know how to handle a ball. I think they all collectively had popcorn before the game uh, because as a team, they committed 23 total turnovers, which led to 27 points off of turnovers on the side of the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and you can't do that. You ain't going to win a game if you're turning the ball over that many damn times. Absolutely not. There's no chance that they were ever going to get that game in their favor if they're turning the ball over that much. Jason Tatum had an atrocious series as far as turnovers go. Yeah. And in my opinion, he tried too much. Mm -hmm. That he was the one that, I don't want to say the rest of the team didn't recognize what was going on, but he was the only one that was really pressing and hitting that panic button. Yeah. As all great players do, but being the first time with a spotlight on him solely, because he's the only player that was playing consistently throughout this series. Right. I think it finally took its toll on him during this game. I mean, 13 points is not exactly an average stat line for him. No. But the turnovers definitely stood out. Oh, yeah, five of them. Yeah, and he was averaging an absurd amount throughout the series. But you could definitely tell he was pressing, and he felt that he had put the team on his back to win. Right. This does work, and this does work. It doesn't work in some cases. And for what you're having here is a Golden State team that found the fountain of youth that came back with a vengeance. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry bounced back from that atrocious game where he went 0 for 9 from the three-point line. Oh, yeah. 34 points. Yep. And to see Klay Thompson contribute, Andrew Wiggins. The story of the Golden State should be Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. Oh, yeah. Because without them performing in this series, they don't win that chip. No. And this is something that I think a lot of Golden State fans need to realize. Your era of the Splash Brothers Incorporated is transitioning. Mm-hmm. Draymond is not the same Draymond of old. Clay Thompson is getting back to form, but right. how long is that going to last? Right. And then Steph Curry, listen, love him or hate him, he shows up for these games. Oh, yeah. And he'll give you everything. But when your role players put up the combined... 23 or no 33 points between mm-hmm. them between 18 and 15 yep and then you take a look at the boston bench we'll put up a combined five total points off their bench yes and you can't rely on al harford at this stage to carry you through even though he had 19 yeah this was a situation that boston really got exposed i mean they had their one you know and, and a lot of the guys on the boston bench only played one minute so eh, you know asterisk but even still you had their one point guard, White, who played 16 minutes, two points. Shit. I have almost no basketball skill. I can shoot a basketball at a hoop, but whether it goes in or not is honestly a 50-50 chance. Mm-hmm. I think I could play 16 minutes in an NBA game and probably get more than two points. Yeah, Derek White did not have a good game this one, this round. No question about that. But the rest of the bench didn't, and even the role players that usually help out Boston did not. Marcus Smart, nine points. Jalen Brown, 34, which, hey, like yeah, that's, that's great, but you're not going to be able to compete with the, with the Splash Brothers who went in and just implemented that will. I mean, that whole second quarter was all uh, Splash Brothers. Yeah. I mean, when you are when you do 27 to 17 to go into halftime, 
Boston did scrap, but at that stage, they already knew the game was in their favor. Mm-hmm. And that's something that for a team that is as seasoned to win yeah. as Golden State is, Boston just wasn't ready for it. And this is a situation that they will bounce back. Oh, yeah. I fully think so. I this, fully... this is just experience for them, and I think that's ultimately what it came down to. I mean, this is Golden State who's been here, you know, God knows how many times in the last 10 years. They they know what it's like. They know what to do when it gets down to these situations. And let's face it, Boston is a young team. You've hmm. got a lot of guys on that team who haven't been in this situation before. I mean, you've got veterans who haven't been in this situation before on that squad. You know, it's it's a whole different animal to play regular season or into the postseason. NBA Finals are a whole different animal. And Golden State knows what to do and knows what to expect. Mm-hmm. And this is a situation that for Boston, they will bounce back, as we said. They're going to have to really take a look at that roster, though, and see what they are going to need to add to compete. Because they ran through the East pretty well. I have to give that. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, sweeping Brooklyn is never an easy feat, but they did it with some style in the first round. But to really compare it to the teams of the West, which has always been the strength of the NBA over the past (laughs) recent memory of years. Oh, yeah. They're going to need to do something to compete because with Golden State now having an emerging team, and I want to say emerging team because it's not being relied on Draymond Green to put up 25 a night. No. He's getting phased out. There's no question in my mind about that. But for a team that's in that transition period, the contributions they got from Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, that's the big story here, that their bench players really stepped up. Andrew Wiggins has never looked this good in the NBA. Mm Mm-hmm. No question in my mind about that. And obviously when they have to restructure some contracts and get some Ooh-hoo, players boy. signed, those two are going to be the ones you're going to have to watch in Golden State. But I think especially Wiggins, who's going to be taking over that role that Draymond had. Well, I mean, Dray- Draymond, I think, knows what his role is. That's primarily, you know, it's the Dennis Robin. It's the rebound type, which when you've got Curry and Thompson and then you've got Poole and you've got you know all the other guys why do I need to score we need if all my if all if the other four guys on the floor are open for shots ain't nobody gonna be ready for a rebound I need to get ready for the rebound so I mean he played 42 minutes during the game so I think he knows his role I don't think you'll see him score many more than maybe 12 15 points maybe an occasional 20 if, if Curry's got the night off and Thompson's having a night off night you know in the shooting wise you know, but I think I think Draymond knows his role, and and you're absolutely right. And I got to give uh, a little credit to uh, Clay Thompson's dad. What he tweeted out today, I, I have to agree with him. I think you got to give a ring to Minnesota. Oh and, my god! And, and to the Timberwolves, uh, Clay Thompson's dad tweeting, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing. He said that Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves, absolutely deserve an NBA ring because they had an opportunity to draft both Curry and Thompson, and mm. they passed on him. And then they traded away Andrew Wiggins before he really came into his own. Yeah, no, if, it, when he put that out, it's like it's so true because remember that draft, they took Ricky Rubio uh-huh. over Steph Curry. If they also, right. they, and they also took Johnny Flynn. Yeah. They took Johnny Flynn from they took Johnny Flynn from Syracuse first. He's no longer in the league. Yeah, he's already out. He's a, he he's long since out. And then they also took Ricky Rubio like three picks later. Mm-hmm. And then I remember Steph was falling to the Knicks until Golden State swooped, yep. swooped in there to go get him. Because, I mean, how crazy would that have been if Steph Curry wound up being – with the greatest franchise in NBA history. I digress, but for Golden State, just kind of put a cap on this part, they're looking like the team of old. Now, how long they're going to sustain this is anybody's guess, Mm -hmm. but I think what they've done is really made their presence felt 
in yeah. the Western Conference for a team that was written off for dead. We have to remember this. Yeah. We'll say they mentioned it multiple times during the broadcast and then during the trophy presentation. You know, going from two years ago having the worst record in the NBA mm-hmm. to winning the, ch- the ch- uh, championship. It's a testament to their organization and Steve yeah. Kerr and everybody that they have behind the scenes there for keeping this team somewhat together through those rough waters. Well, and just the drive of some of those key players, you know, because it would have been real easy for Draymond, Clay, Steph to just go, you know what, we got three. That's a lot more than some guys will ever see in their lifetime. We're good. Why don't we just go? Why don't we just go for individual accolades and stats and this and that? But no, they. It's that Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant mentality of, I want the next one. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think all the great players you see in the league now have. I mean, it's the it's the thing you hear Tom Brady say all the time. You know, what's your favorite Super Bowl? The next one. Mm-hmm. You know, for Curry, what's your favorite NBA championship? The next one. Well, it's the question of how you motivate a millionaire. Oh yeah. When you have everything, what's the drive? And I think writing. Aisha Curry can't cook is a pretty good motivator. Yeah. I will say some of the trash talk that was happening to the Warriors definitely fueled them. Uh-huh. I, I know that a uh, certain Memphis Grizzly player that decided to tweet out strength in numbers. Yeah. And Clay kept that receipt. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's going to be something to watch going into next season. Well, that'll be, that'll be your Christmas Day game. Uh-huh. I have a feeling that's exactly what's going to happen there. Memphis and Golden State, I'm just not sure where they're going to be playing. Probably in Golden State, I would imagine. Probably. But it's a situation that Golden State is definitely welcoming. They're now going into this offseason, obviously winning the chip. But there's no rest for the offseason. And why is that, Pat? Uh, Well, you've got the NBA draft taking place as we record in like two days. Exactly. So right after the finals is the NBA draft. Now, if you're not familiar with the setup of the NBA draft... It's rigged as fuck. We'll just say the allegedly just for legal purposes, yeah. but... It's, it is it's, what it is. It's a unique setup, allegedly, where a lot of ping-pong balls decide your fate. Uh-huh. Because they are trying to give everybody a quote-unquote equal shot. It's not done like the NFL where the worst record right. automatically gets it. Right. Because they want to try preventing... You know, any kind of tanking. S- yes, to put a, a mild word. I was trying to think of like a better way to say it, but now to be honest with you, that's that's, that's what I'm tanking. Yep, because obviously this is a time of year where players are going to really try looking at who they can play with in, on different teams because this also will lead into free agency next week as well. I believe tw- the 29th kicks off. Uh, Something like agency. that, yeah. So that being said, we're going to kind of give a little preview of this year's NBA draft because, like we say. Every player that's drafted within these rounds is not exactly locked in for their team. There's a lot of movement that happens in this draft every year. I mean, most recently, the one that stands out is the deal for Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Yeah. Which they didn't stay on the same team. Obviously, that, nope. that one, they are benchmarked against each other, and both teams have actually won in that one. And that's one of the rare instances you see that because like, it's not uncommon on draft night for – uh, teams to swap players, but mm. I don't think it's happened very often, and I could be wrong. I don't think it's happened very often where you've had two teams do that and they've both flourished beautifully. No, that is the only one that really stands out. Sometimes teams will take a flyer on somebody, right. and it it just it doesn't work, right? And I think a lot of this had to do when they used to let players come in from high school, yeah, because not everybody is a Kobe Bryant, not everybody is a LeBron James. 
there are certain players that can excel coming in from high school, like those two I just mentioned. Yeah. But there are some that just fizzle out and just never go to that next level. It is yeah. what it is. So this is why the NBA draft is so interesting because when this goes down, there's so much moving and shaking that you really kind of have to sit back for a couple of days and kind of see where everybody goes after yeah. it's all said and done. Yeah, so uh, I'm just going to run real quick down the list of the uh, teams and where they're picking for the first round. We're not going to go through the whole thing, just the first round. Uh, the Orlando Magic have the number one overall pick. Number two goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Three goes to the Houston Rockets. Four goes to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, five goes to the Detroit Pistons. Six is belongs to the Indiana Pacers. Seven belongs to the Portland Trailblazers. Eight is to the New Orleans Pelicans by way of the Los Angeles Lakers. Nine is San Antonio Spurs. Ten is the Washington Wizards. Eleven is some team called the New York Knicks. I'm not sure I've ever heard of them. Bouncing back. Uh, number 12 is the Oklahoma City Thunder by way of the L.A. Clippers. Thirteen is the Charlotte uh, Hornets. Uh, almost wanted to call them Bobcats there. Almost slipped up. Yeah. Uh, Fourteen is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Fifteen is the Charlotte Hornets by way of the New Orleans Pelicans. Sixteen is the Atlanta Hawks. Eighteen is the Houston Rockets by way of the Brooklyn Nets. 18 is the Chicago Bulls. 19, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, 20 is San Antonio again, this uh, time by way of uh, the Toronto Raptors uh, from a trade. Uh, number 21 is the Denver Nuggets. Number two, 22 is the Memphis Grizzlies by way of Utah. Uh, number 23 is the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, 24 is the Milwaukee Bucks. 25 is the San Antonio Spurs, courtesy of the Boston Celtics. Uh, and 26 is the Dallas Mavericks. 27 is the Miami Heat. 28 is the Golden State Warriors. 29, the Memphis Grizzlies. And then rounding out the first round is Oklahoma City Thunder by way of the Phoenix Suns. Yes. So that being said, as it stands right now, that is your draft order. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of talk right now about one position in the draft that could get flip-flopped at any moment. Sure. And that is Sacramento number four. I've been reading a lot about that happening. Okay. I'm not saying it's a lock, but I'm saying that that is the one to really keep your eyes on. I think the top three are pretty set. Mm -hmm. I think depending on where you want to go look about the mock drafts, everybody is in consensus about these three players. Okay. And when I was putting this together too as well, I'm I'm right there with them. So I think number one is the Orlando Magic. Okay. And the projected number one pick is Jabari Smith from Auburn. Yeah, he's a uh, small forward, power forward. Yeah, I think that he that's a great fit for Orlando. Just or over 19 years old. Mm -hmm. Orlando needs everything. Yeah. <laughs> like They need the kitchen sink. It, it's not anything like whoever they draft is a help at this stage. Mm -hmm. They're just they're not a good team. In my opinion, Pad, if you want to chime in. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing is like Orlando, let's face it, hasn't been good since like the Dwight Howard days mm -hmm. and, and then even further back, you know, the Shaq Penny Hardaway days, you know, so they they're in the echelon of like, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL, you know, where they need literally everything in the kitchen sink. Yeah. So this is a situation I think definitely helps them out. Yeah. And like I said, Jabari Smith would definitely assist them. Because, like I say, he can do power forward, small forward. He can do pretty much wherever they need to plug and play him. And any step in the right direction for Orlando is good here. So mm -hmm. we'll have to wait and see about that. But I think that's a consensus number one lock. Yeah. I don't think unless something crazy happens. Right. Number two, Oklahoma City Thunder. So this is another team that 
Well, has uh, some rebuilding to do, to put it mildly. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at their depth chart courtesy of the folks over at ESPN.com, seeing if I recognize anybody on this team. And, well, no, I don't. You know, obviously gone are the days of the Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka days, you know. They're sitting on a boatload of picks, and kudos to their general manager for that, you know, because, holy shit, you got a lot, but... Again, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder to me is in that same boat as the Orlando Magic in that you need, well, literally everything. Mm-hmm. And it's a situation, too, where they're not expected to win right away. No. So a player can develop, and they will definitely take their time with it. It's not to say that they're going to be perennial losers. Mm-hmm. And I want to stress that out. But when you're not in a win mode now, I think that does give players in a draft especially – ones that are going to be a part of a big draft class as Oklahoma City is going to have here. Right. I think that gives them a lot of time to really gel together, and then you can evaluate, or is this going to work, or is this not? Right. And the pick that everybody's talking about here, and I think this is a great fit too, is Chet Holmgren Mm -hmm. from Gonzaga. Yeah. Power forward. Listen, I think they need a presence down low. I think he'll definitely work in that system. Mm -hmm. I think that for what Oklahoma City needs, it's a great start. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I think that he is somebody that, if you give him enough time, he can develop into a very, very solid player. You just have to give him that time. Oh, yeah. And that's something that I think if he went to a bigger market team, I don't know if he'd have that luxury. No. But I really think that this is a great landing spot for him, so I'm going to say this is pretty much as safe a lock as we can have. Yeah, no, this is a great spot for him. I mean, he's uh, seven foot tall, uh, listed at 195 pounds. You know, this is this is a great spot for him just because there won't be a big limelight on him. There won't be a big spotlight on him to win now or to do this. It'll give him time to come into his own, develop his game. You know, I and I think for Oklahoma City, it's smart to start defensively because if you just get offensive guys who really can't play defense, you ain't going to win a lot of games. You know, defense ultimately at the end of the day does help win a championship in the NBA. You know, three-point shot be damned. You know, so I think if you if you give him time and and if he ends up working out like they say he is defensively, you know, potential defensive player of the year candidate down the road if he develops right, that'll be a great foundation for Oklahoma City to build around. Completely agree with you there, Pat. I think this is a win win for both teams, or both player and team, I should say. Right. Next up, the Houston Rockets. Uh huh. Man, you want to talk about a team fell from grace? Holy shit. So this one obviously is in a rebuild mode too. Yeah. Obviously coming off the James Harden divorce. Yeah. And still feeling the ramifications of that. Yeah. And you know, they're not expected to really make a lot of moves right now. The only one though they did was kind of interesting is trading Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. He wound up going to Dallas. Okay. So Luca finally has some help. Yeah. Uh traded for some picks and some players. So this is a situation that Houston definitely is making some room. Yeah. Now to say what they're going to do when the offseason opens, which officially I think we're leaning at the 29th, 30th range. Yeah, it's usually one of those like midnight, middle of the night type of deals where it kicks off. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's been like an official yeah. announcement yet, but we're looking around the 29th, 30th. This is a situation that Houston's, I think, going to try making some moves as much as they can do in this yeah. situation. Yeah, I but mean, they're even starting to make some moves. It appears like because, uh, according to sources uh, at ESPN, uh, the point guard, John Wall, has exercised his $47.4 million player option for this upcoming season, uh, and then the sides are in talks to buy out if no trade is found. Well, that's going to be an interesting move if they want to try moving them. Yeah. I mean, not to say it's unheard of, 
but I could definitely see a buyout happening. Yeah. More so than a trade at this stage. I love John Wall. Like, I think he's yeah. a great player. Yeah. But solid. But yeah, that's going to be a tough contract to move. Not unheard of. Mm-hmm. But as we talk about, Houston has not exactly um, been in the greatest with contracts and, and, no. and such lately. So, no. I mean, and then, like you said, they got a lot, a lot of work to do. I mean, the only players I'm recognizing on this team, Jalen Green, Eric Gordon, past that. Really couldn't tell you. Yeah, so they're going to definitely need a presence low. And the one that everybody is attaching the team to is Paulo Blanchero. Mm-hmm. Or Blanchero from uh, Duke, which yeah. makes perfect sense to me. I've seen him play numerous times. He's definitely ready for the NBA. Blanchero is going to be somebody to keep an eye on and definitely can help this team grow. Yeah. I think they're going to be a, a little bit of ways, though, for making a, a serious playoff run, but step, uh, yeah. in the right, step in the right direction with yeah. him. He'll give them some offense that they desperately need. And depending on what happens with John Wall, too, that if they can flip that into getting some more picks, mm-hmm. you know, if a team is willing to take that contract, that's the only thing with that. I mean, that kind of money can get flipped, but it's not exactly the easiest to do. It'll especially. take some financial maneuvering. Yeah, there have to be multiple teams involved, I think, to really make that happen. But for Houston, Paulo is a great fit. And I think can definitely help out, especially their guard situation outside of John Wall. Not the worst, not the greatest, but at least he can give them a presence down low. And that's something they desperately need. Mm-hmm. Now things get interesting, Pat. Yes. Who has the number four pick? Uh, that is the Sacramento Kings. That's true. So this is the one that I've kind of alluded to. There is a lot of buzz going around that a team might trade up here. And with Sacramento... I don't know what they do here. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's Sacramento. And this could either really pan out or if they really want to try doing something interesting, they could flip this pick and get a lot for it. Now, if you're the GM here, do you want to keep this position pad or do you want to flip it? I At this point, you got to try fucking anything. Like, I don't know what the hell Sacramento is going to do. Sacramento has been able to figure shit out since Lord knows when. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you got to try anything. You know, you know, as Shaq infamously coined them, the Sacramento Queens. Mm-hmm. You know, when's the last time they made a decent run? The early two thousands, maybe. The Mike Bibby days. You know, it's been fucking forever. So you got to fucking try something. I don't know what the hell you're gonna do. You know, but it, it's gonna be a miracle to get anything done. It's an interesting spot, and I think that if you're Sacramento. I would be making calls out to every team. And I would legitimately say, what do you want for this number four pick? And I think for any team that's looking for a guard, this is a situation that I could see a team trading into. Now, could this be where Oklahoma City tries doing something crazy with all their picks? Could be. Could this be a situation where you have somebody in like the the 10 to 20 range try mm-hmm. flipping back in. Yeah. It could be. It also could be a, a small situation that you could have like an Indiana try flipping in there. If they're sold on somebody, like that is the big question, is if somebody's really locked and loaded for a player at this position. Because like I say, the first three I think are locks. They're not going to go anywhere. That's pretty predictable, I guess we would say. But this is a situation that if you really want to get a guard and the name that everybody's throwing around here at number four is Jaden Ivey mm-hmm. from Purdue. Yep. Now that kid can shoot. And he could definitely give a team some offense that desperately needs some. 
uh, for his 2021-2022 season in college. Averaged uh, 17.3 points per game, 4.9 rebounds per game, 3.1 assists per game, and then field goal percentage was 46%. Yeah, that is something for a team like that. It's a good foundation. It's a good foundation, and especially for a team where Sacramento could use him. I don't know if they're going to keep him and try flipping there because it's one of those weird situations is it would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But if they feel they can get something else, take the shot. I mean, this is almost a situation where they play with house money. Right. You can't really go wrong either way unless Ivy just can't play with the rest of your team. Right. And taking a look at their depth chart pad. Yeah, I mean, they've got, uh, this is courtesy of ESPN.com, De'Aaron Fox listed as their starting point guard. Uh, Davion Mitchell listed as their starting shooting guard. Harrison Barnes listed as their starting small forward. Trey Lyles listed as their starting power forward. And then DeMontes Savonis listed as their starting center. I know they're pretty guard-heavy recently with Fox and Mitchell. Right. So that would be the only question mark. But at this situation, what do you got to lose? I mean, you could always just draft him and then flip him for an, uh, a pick down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think that that would be the smart thing to do if I'm Sacramento. Take the shot. Because if you don't, you're kind of left in a situation, what are you going to do here unless you want to try to find a big man later? Right. Which is not unheard of. But if you can get somebody out of New York, maybe yeah. the Knicks. I mean, yeah, it's they're kind of in the mix here too because I could see them going for uh, Ivy if he's here. And what you're going to try giving up for him—that's a whole different ball of wax too. But I digress. This is going to be the one position on the draft that I think we got to watch. Yeah, because I think if they flip the number four pick. This could be a domino effect. Could be. And you could kind of see some teams getting a little nervous about who they're going to take and who they're not. It's a weird thing in the draft to say because we don't see this in football. Baseball is kind of a little different setup in that aspect. Baseball is like 800 rounds. Yeah, exactly. Hockey is the same thing too. So, And the WWE is a whole different story. But (laughs) for the NBA, this could definitely have some interesting drama to it. I think Sacramento, though, will keep the pick. And I think what they're going to try doing is putting – Either Fox or Ivy on the trade market. Could be. And then see what you get. It's a weird thing, man. But this, uh-huh. is, this, but this is a normal practice in the NBA for yeah. the draft night. So yeah. that's what we have to kind of stress at. Next up. Uh, is the Detroit Pistons with the number five overall pick. And a lot of folks have them taking, and I'm going to butcher this last name, so I apologize. Now, Benedict uh, Mathurin uh, from Arizona. He is listed as a shooting guard slash small forward and only 20 years old. I like the pick. I like the player. I think they could definitely win because you need to get somebody to compliment Cade Cunningham. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing they should be doing in this draft for Detroit. Go get somebody that can balance Cade out because Cade is going to be a big star, but you, he needs help. Yeah. And it's not to say that they were not in the fight to get into the playoffs, but they just they need more weapons. Yeah. Benedict would be a huge help. And I think if you can have a good one-two punch at the uh, the guard position, mm-hmm. that could get them over the marker yeah. in the East. Yeah. I think that that could definitely get them into the playoffs. Like I say, that's your benchmark. You can get over the marker that way. Yeah, I mean, Detroit needs a lot of help. You know, it's it's been a rough go for the Detroit Pistons. You know, gone are the days of, you know, the bad boys in the 80s and and then even with, you know, the Larry Brown and his guys in the early 2000s. 
You know, so if you're if you're a younger fan and a Detroit Pistons fan, it's been real rough for you since you started being a fan of the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. You know, but they got a good start with Cade Cunningham. You know, obviously they got Jeremy Grant there at power forward. You know, I I think adding the guy from Arizona, uh, Benedict uh, Mathurin, would be a good would be a good addition. You know, listen, ain't nowhere to go but up for them. No, absolutely. So I could definitely see that happening. I would like the move. Not gonna be mad about that one bit. But we'll kind of have to wait to see how that plans out. Next up. Uh, with the number six overall pick is, the, of course, the Indiana Pacers, who folks have them taking uh, Keegan Murray from Iowa, listed as a power forward slash center, and uh, just about 22 years old. Solid fit there. I could see them moving, though, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that could be a situation if they don't trade up at number four. I could see them trading out of the top ten. Right. And getting a team in there like a New York. Like... Um, Oh, I'm trying to think who else. I just blanked on the team name. It will come back to me in a sec. It would be a situation where they could flip that and definitely get something for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that Indiana is in that position that they could definitely make that happen. Yeah. Washington was a team I was thinking about. I could see somebody jumping in this spot and do do something here. Because with this six pick, yeah, Murray would be a solid fit here. But this is also a situation of what does Indiana want to do? And if they start having some you know, feelings about free agency, they're in a position where they could go a lot of different directions. And I don't know where they go. Right. But it's a situation that they do have options, especially with teams that want to move up to that top 10 position. I mean, if they do end up taking him, because I'm just looking at stats here, you know, uh, so obviously he's listed, uh, what is it? Uh, Murray is listed as a power forward slash center. Uh, for his last season in college, he averaged 23.5 points per game. Uh, good for fourth in the nation. Mm-hmm. 8.7 rebounds per game, uh, 1.5 assists per game, and then a field goal percentage of 55.4. Uh, over on the Indiana Pacers depth chart, as we currently record, uh, their starting power forward is TJ Warren, and their starting center is Miles Turner. Looking at their stats, uh, TJ Warren last season averaged 15.5 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game, and 1.3 assists per game. So about the same rebounds and assists, but dwarfed in terms of points per game. Uh, and then Miles Turner, their center, 12.9 points per game last season, 7.1 rebounds per game, and then one assists per game. So dwarfed in points per game. God, he's got him beaten rebounds per game, but then uh, obviously beat, uh, getting beat in the uh, assists uh, percentage there. So Yeah, it's kind of pick your poison yeah, pretty much. But Indiana will be in charge of their own destiny. Like I said, I could see them flip. Or with, with the Knicks, though, like I say, I know that there's a lot of talk that they might go and make a trade with Indiana. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sold on that as well. I think it's a lot of uh, possibly wishful thinking. Yeah. So we'll kind of have to wait and see about what the Knicks wind up doing. Uh, that could be a whole mess. But, I mean, I wouldn't doubt them trying to maybe make a move up here unless they decide to go get uh, maybe a certain player out of Indiana as well, too. It's one of those situations that – you're hearing a lot of talk about the Knicks going to get this person, get this person, that person, yeah. and so and so. I don't want to put a lot of stock into it. There's only one name on the free agent market, quote-unquote, and we will talk about that to close out this segment when we get down there because I got some feelings on that. Mm-hmm. So just to close it out with Indiana, it's anybody's guess who they want to go and take here. But Murray would be a solid pick, though, if they want to go get him. Next up, Pat. Uh, is the number seven overall pick who goes to the Portland Trailblazers, and folks have them taking Shaden Sharp uh, from Kentucky, a shooting guard and only 19 years old. Well, 
I think the move makes sense. Yeah. I think that Portland is in an interesting situation because uh-huh. they now kind of have to realize what are we going to do with Damian Lillard. We'll say the uh, proverbial clock is ticking. Yeah, because and I ain't talking about Dame time clock. No, well, kind of am. <laughs> Dame time in this instance being how long he's going to be there for. Well, that's the whole thing. It's been rumored that they're going to be parting ways, but this has been lingering on for a little while now. And I think what Lillard is realizing is he's given everything he's got. To he's, that. he's kind of in the Matthew Stafford uh, aspect of things. Yeah, he's given everything he's got to that team in that city. And if they're not going to build a winner to compete with the Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, the rebuilding Dallas Mavericks, what is he going to eventually do? Bye. Yeah. I mean, I hate saying it because I, I, I applaud his loyalty to this team. I applaud that he has literally been a player to show up every single night. In fact, if the Knicks were going to trade for anybody, go get Dame. And give them whatever they want for him. That would be my pick, but you know we'll have to wait and see. But Sharp will help fill that void, and yeah. definitely if he can learn anything sitting underneath Damian Lillard on the depth chart, that is a huge win for him too. So I think this move makes a lot of sense, and they're going to need something to compete with, especially if they decide to flip Lillard somewhere. I don't know how this is all going to play out in that in that drama situation, but I would say the pick is about as close to the lock as we get. Mm-hmm. Next up uh, is the New Orleans Pelicans, who got this pick via the Los Angeles Lakers. And folks have them taking Dyson Daniels, who is coming by way of the G League Ignite, uh, listed as a point guard slash shooting guard and just about uh, just a little over 19 years old. Well, you know, New Orleans is an interesting team. And I think the question is, could they go here? and go get a point guard or they want to go get a forward because you still have to figure out what you're doing with Zion. Right. I think we all have to remember that because that's not exactly a lock that mm-hmm. he's staying. I think that there's a lot of um, smoke and mirrors yeah. concerning what he really wants to do. Right. I think that that's a situation that they're going to have to kind of think if uh, he's definitely going to be staying around or – Mm-hmm. Are they going to try moving somebody at this stage? Like, it's a weird thing with, you know, when we have to start talking about max contracts coming up, especially for that rookie class. Right. And is he going to be in that consideration? Like, has this panned out to where they feel comfortable doing a max contract with him? Right. Uh, and just so uh, in case anyone doesn't know and never heard of the uh, G League Ignite, because I'll admit I never heard of it uh, from their Wikipedia page. Uh, it reads in part, quote, the NBA G League Ignite is a developmental basketball team affiliated with the NBA G League based in Walnut Creek, California. Uh, the team was designed to play exhibition games outside the G League's traditional scheduling as part of a one-year developmental program for elite National Basketball Association prospects. Its roster is made up of both prospects and veteran players. Ignite was created on April 16th, 2020. So essentially what it is is it's an alternative to college. You know, so obviously the, uh, the you know high school players can't just go from high school right into the NBA anymore. Uh, you know, they've either got to go into college for one year or they've got to go overseas. This is another way for them to go about that road if they don't really don't want to go into college. Yeah, so it's a smart thing too, especially. I love seeing how the G League is now sending players up. Yeah. I think that this is going to be something very interesting to see how this plays out in the draft. And like I say, it's a solid move for New Orleans, but I would also say – I would think about maybe if you're going to be parting ways with Zion. Mm-hmm. Like This is a situation I know maybe some certain fans don't want to hear, but let's be honest, 
you're going to have to start thinking, if he's not going to be here, we need to get somebody to replace him. And let's, and let's face it, Zion, do you think he's worth a max contract? At this point, no. I mean, he has not been on the field consistent the field on the court consistently enough, in my opinion, to warrant a max contract. Agreed. Does he have the potential to? Yes. But has he shown that potential yet? For me, no. Yeah, I fully agree about that. So I mean you have issues all season with whatever it was the ankles, legs, whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. And then you go right into the off season or like not the off season hadn't even started and he's running a camp for kids, which hey, nice, good for you. Sure. Like, awesome to see. But he's doing windmill tomahawk dunks like it was fucking nothing. And I'm like, all right, wait a minute. Two plus two ain't adding up here. Yeah, so that's the storyline I'm watching more with New Orleans about this. So we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But that that pick, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily a lock. Like I could see that happening, but yeah. I think ultimately whatever we'll see them decide here is gonna dictate what they're gonna do with Zion. Yep. So more drama for the draft. Uh-huh. Next up. Uh, is the number nine overall pick, and that goes to the San Antonio Spurs. And folks have them taking uh, Jalen Duran from Memphis. He is listed as a center and 18 and a half years old. Solid move here. I mean, let's face it. The Spurs are not the Spurs of old. No. Uh, so whatever Popovich and company want to do here, I fully trust. Yeah. I mean, Let's face it. We'll say they can't hurt the team anymore. I mean, definitely can go nowhere but up. Yes. I mean, looking at their depth chart. Uh, yeah, they've got uh, this, again, according to ESPN.com. They've got uh, DeJounte Murray listed as their starting point guard. Uh, Joshua Primo listed as their starting shooting guard. Devin Vassell listed as their starting small forward. Uh, Keldon Johnson listed as their starting power forward. And then Jacob uh, Podol, uh listed as their starting center. So that being said, I think anybody here at this stage is a win. Yeah. And I trust the powers that be. The the San Antonio Spurs have always drafted well. Oh, yeah. So I don't doubt them finding a diamond in the rough here. So we'll kind of have to see about that. Mm-hmm. Next up for the round out the top 10. Yeah, it's number 10 with the Washington Wizards. And folks have them taking Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, who's listed as a point guard slash shooting guard and just over 20 years old. So this one I think makes a lot of sense. I think for Washington – the drama you got to watch here is what's going to happen with Brantley Beal. Mm-hmm. Because he is another player that should he stay or should he go now? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could very easily flip him for a lot of picks. Yes, and I think that that would be smart for Washington to do. I think that if they wanted to move up in the draft and, and put Beal in a package deal, that could make a lot of sense. I think the move here, though, like they're going to just have to get somebody to generate some offense. And if they're thinking Beal is not going to be here, they might want to go get a successor. So this move makes a lot of sense to me. And we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But they're another team that I think could make some moves. Could be. Just wherever they want to do it. But then again, they also have uh, Przingis on their team. So (laughs) I'm not expecting a lot (laughs) from them. (laughs) And let's round out our draft talk, talking about the New York Knicks. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have the number 11 overall pick. And folks have them taking A.J. Griffin from Duke, listed as a small forward, power forward, just about 19 years old. Solid move. I would take it. I would take it in a heartbeat. I just don't know what they're going to do here. Like, this is the one thing that scares me with this team. Because, obviously, there is a name that is now circulating that is giving me nightmares that he is going to wind up coming to the team. Uh And it's not Brogdon. I know that that name has been been in in talk about the Knicks are going to acquire him. I wouldn't be mad about that. But then again, you're talking about... Is he the right fit? I don't know. The player we're talking about, because the story has broken, mm-hmm. is one 
Kyrie Irving. Yeah, this comes to us by way of Shams uh, Sharnia of The Athletic, because uh, he tweeted out the other day, quote, Multiple sources tell The Athletic that conversations about Irving's future have gone stagnant between him and the Nets. An impasse currently exists among the parties that clears the way for the seven-time All-Star to consider the open marketplace, those sources said. The Lakers, Knicks, and Clippers are expected to be among the interested suitors if Irving heads elsewhere, multiple sources tell The Athletic. Uh, an article from NBC Sports goes on to say, quote, Irving has a $36.9 million player option for next season. If he wants to stay in Brooklyn but isn't getting the long-term offer he desires from the Nets, he could force their hand by opting in. Of course, they could trade him anywhere without his consent. But his unrelenting drama has drastically reduced his trade value, and he could nuke it completely by threatening to retire if dealt close. Quote. So that being said, why the hell would the Knicks want to bring that drama, which they have seen firsthand because, hey. It's in the same town. It's in the same damn town. You pick up the same new newspapers. You can pick up the same social media and you see the same thing about how he acts. I'm sorry, I just made the mic pop, but I'm sorry, I'm getting heated. You can't add him to this team. You can't. No. I don't care what he does on the court. It's the drama outside of this that will play the ultimate factor on this Mm -hmm. decision. Yeah. And if you want that headache coming to the garden, because that's all it's been for Brooklyn, because let's face it, the experiment, which I am so thankful I was wrong about the first time, and I have admitted this, has failed. Why would you want to say, let's hit the reset button and bring him here? I'll say it's failed in general because you wanted both KD and Kyrie Mm -hmm. and you wanted Zion. Zion ain't panned out. KD and Kyrie have won collectively one NBA playoff series in the three years they've been together. Now, admittedly, there was the first year that KD was out. Sure. But still, in the two years they played together, they've won one uh, playoff series, which is not exactly what you want when you're paying them as much money as you are. Yeah, I fully admit I was wrong. I blame Coach Duffy. (laughs) He's not here. I fully blame him. He's the one who talked me into it. No, but in all honesty, yeah, the experiment failed. We saw it firsthand. Between KD and Kyrie. Mm -hmm. And now it's a situation where Brooklyn, I will give them credit for this. I'm glad they're at a stalemate about this. Sure. I really am. Oh, I am too. This is smart for your team. You're taking control back from letting the inmates run the asylum. Which they have been for like the last two years. Exactly. Now, this might not be a popular decision to some, but let's face it. Getting him on the court with all his different dramas. Uh Plural. plural, Uh Uh-huh. Do you really want that coming to a team that, well, let's face it, the Knicks are going to have to make some moves to really figure out what went wrong last year? Sure. I mean, statistically, he is a great player. He's got one of the most clutch shots in NBA Finals history. Let's Mm -hmm. not not get it twisted. My issue with him is I would love to see him on the court as a player, but that's if he fucking shows up. Yeah, because there's a there's somebody on the NBA subreddit who did a little bit of legwork, and I got to give credit to them. Uh, that is user L uh, Legoon, and it's like with four or five O's, and they posted this just yesterday. Uh, the title of this reads: "Quote: Since college, Irv- Kyrie Irving has been injured for thirty percent of his career and missed more than fifty percent of his games with the Brooklyn Nets." Notable information. Kyrie Irving has missed 314 out of 1,036 games since his freshman year at Duke University. 
Kyrie Irving has missed about 30.3% of all games he was supposed to play in since his freshman year at Duke University. 47% of Kyrie's missed games are due to shoulder issues, while 40% are due to knee issues. Kyrie Irving has played in about 130 out of a possible 246 games with the Brooklyn Nets, meaning he has missed roughly 47% of games while with the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving is eligible for a four-year, $181.6 million extension. And he even goes, this this user even goes further into like games played table. So his freshman year at Duke, he missed a total of 26 games. Reason for games missed, toe. 2012, when he was with Cleveland, he missed 15 games. Uh, and that was because of a shoulder. 2013, he missed 23 games. And that was because of a shoulder and finger. Uh, 2014, he missed 11 games. That was because of biceps and knee. 2015 was 14 games. That was because of a knee and shoulder. 2016 was with uh, still with Cleveland. 29 games because of a knee. 2017 was with uh, still with final year with Cleveland. He missed 10 games because of a hamstring. Uh, and then in 20, uh, what was it? 2018, his first year with Boston, he missed 41 games because of a quad, shoulder, and knee injuries. 2019, 15 games uh, because of a hip, knee, and thigh injury. First year with Brooklyn, uh, missed 56 games because of a shoulder. 20, uh, 2021, missed uh, 21 games because of his ac- ankle, back, and his birthday bash. Yeah. Let's not forget he missed games because of his fucking birthday. And then, obviously, this year with Brooklyn, he missed 53 games because of, well, reasons. Yeah, so do you really want to bring that to your team? Not just saying the Knicks, but anybody. No. And that's the situation. You, you can't depend on the guy. When the guy's on the court, sure he can play. Sure he can ball out. But you cannot depend on this guy to to be there because of what's going on in the world. And I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to get you know preachy or get on my soapbox. If you know his story, you know what he's done. Yeah. But can you really trust this guy to wake up one morning in a key series? Let's just say it's late in the season. You know, pick a team, whatever it is, Western Conference, Eastern Conference. You need to win this game. You don't win this game, you're not going to make the playoffs. He opens his phone or he turns on the television, sees something going on and goes, oh, I can't play. I'm too, distra- I'm too distraught. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've just lost your key piece for that game that night. And you miss the playoffs because of that. I mean, just let's face it. Look at look at his tenure. When he came in the league, he used he drafted a Cleveland, yeah. part of that rebuilding squad. They brought in LeBron, who got him to a championship. Could have been the one-two punch and been a dynasty for years. And then he realized he couldn't play with LeBron. Uh huh. Reasons. And then and he he threw a hissy fit, left, and then turned around in Boston and said, "Oh, I'm sorry. I treated you the way I did on my way out." Yeah, like that's the thing. He completely lied to. In my opinion, he lied to the Boston fans. Was you gave the whole nonsense? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. Blah 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 looked blah. At, looked like a young child in the face. Yep. And said, "I'm. Are you going to leave like LeBron? Nah, I'm never leaving." Yeah. And then the following off season, he went right to Brooklyn with KD, and that's been just nothing but drama there. So if you're the Knicks and you want that media circus, you're going to go get him. I think the powers that be, like Leon Rose mm-hmm. and Thibodeau, are screaming no. Unless they get overridden by Dolan, which <laughs> it's possible, it's possible, and that's the only thing that scares me. I don't see him coming there. 
I don't see him going to L.A. as long as LeBron is there. They've No, there's no way he can go to L.A. because L.A. is currently sitting on the headache that is Russell Westbrook's contract because if memory serves, his contract the next year, it's either this coming season or the season after, is like $47 million or something like that. You imagine that it's, it's astronomical. Yeah, but I can see them doing a sign-and-trade at the same you time. Gotta, you got to get somebody to take on that contract. Right, though. but that's the problem. But I'm sure some third team would get involved, but at the same time, you couldn't play with LeBron the first time around. How are you going to do it now? You can't. No. You'll last. You'll have a honeymoon phase of a season, and then it'll go downhill yeah. from there. Uh, Westbrook is entering the final year of his five-year deal uh, that he originally signed with the fucking Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, this fucking contract's been through one, two, three, four teams now. Yeah. Uh, it's the final year of a five-year, two hundred and six point seven million dollar contract. He is scheduled to make forty-seven million sixty-three thousand four hundred and seventy-eight dollars. Good luck finding anybody who will take that shit on. Now, am I saying there'll be nobody who'll take it on? No, I'm sure somebody will take it on, but it's going to be a fucking headache. No, it'll definitely be a headache. But that's going to be the storyline to watch because if all signs point to Kyrie going to the Knicks. They're going to do something weird in the draft, like really absurdly weird. Like you'll see a fire sale. I think pretty much they'll be dumping all types of salary, all types of players. Could be. It, it'll be a whole reset. Like, and that's going to be the scary thing about this. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm hoping cooler heads prevail, and I hope he gets traded to Kyrie goes to Sacramento because I think it'd be a great, <laughs> great reaction. Because Sacramento, listen, if there's any team that'll pay him that contract, Sacramento would. Oh, I'm sure, but he's. I think the real challenge is like, where do you want to fit him on your team? He's already burned most of the bridges in the East. Oh yeah, because you can't send him to Boston. Oh hell no! Pat Riley will not tolerate him down in oh, Miami, no. especially hell the team no. they got there. Hell no! Milwaukee, maybe, and nah. I stress maybe, nah. but that's not a strong maybe. That's why I say so there's only certain contenders. Kyrie can't play second fiddle to anybody, and he'd have to play second fiddle to Giannis, and there's no way. You know where the smartest, actually, in all seriousness, you know where he should get traded? Clippers. Yeah. Clippers would be able yeah. to talk. You know what? That would be a, that yeah. would be actually a really good landing yeah. spot for him. I was thinking there maybe Oklahoma City. No, he, he, he would, I don't think he'd be able to handle playing in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I, I think that yeah, he'd be able to run the team. He'd run the team, but they're not ready to compete. And I think that that would be, like, the biggest warning sign that he would just opt out he already allegedly runs his own practices yeah so you know we'll have to wait and see but everything kind of stems up from the draft so pad let's just put a final stamp on this thoughts going into the nba draft from the finals uh should be fun to watch nba draft is always wild to watch especially with the trader or the traders the players getting traded so it'll, it'll be fun and, and the suit game always on point Indeed, this is going to be an interesting draft this year. Oklahoma City has a lot of picks, so could they flip it for something crazy? Absolutely. I think that this year's draft class after the top three is pretty much anybody's guess. But I think what you have to really watch is the teams that are in that number 10 to number 20 spot. I could see a lot of moving and shaking involving them. Whether they jump up to number four, whether they jump up to number six, or whether they jump into number 10, I think you're going to see some movement. Is it going to pan out? We'll have to wait and see when the dust is all settled and we see who's staying with what team. Because there will be movement for that first 48 hours. There always is. But it'll be a fun time to watch. Nevertheless, I know your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, allegedly has his draft order coming in tomorrow for parlay points. So we'll have to wait and see about that. And we also have a rumor pad 
that one JT from the East Coast Avengers is going to send in some picks. Ooh, all right. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your craziest pick for the NBA draft this year? What team do you think is going to do something wild? Ken M to the Brooklyn Nets, calling it now. Oh, I know. Get your jerseys ready, folks. I'm going to drop two a night and then walk out of the building. <laughs> and then, obviously, what's your thoughts about the NBA Finals? We definitely want to know, so definitely hit us up on the social media. Let's get the conversation going. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This a Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycallthisamovie.podbean.com. They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk a little pro wrestling, shall we, Pad? Such good shit. So this coming week... We have an event going on Sunday, June 26th mm-hmm. that is getting a lot of hype in certain areas of pro wrestling. Uh, some are not really fully aware of the magnitude of what is going on. And that, Pad, is AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling present Forbidden Door. Yeah. So let's break down the card, kind of, so the drama involving it and all things in between, shall we? Yeah. So this, of course, as you mentioned, is the joint promotion or joint uh, pay per view uh, between the folks over at All Elite Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, taking place this Sunday, June twenty sixth, eight p.m. Eastern, from the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, it is a, I would argue, maybe first of its kind, biggest of its kind. You know. At least stateside. Uh, joint pay-per-view between the powers of the biggest uh, pro wrestling promotion in all of Japan, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and one of the up-and-coming, because uh, let's face it, they're like three years old. They're still up-and-coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, until you hit uh, hit a million dollar or a million uh, views consistently in television, you're still up-and-coming. Uh, in all elite wrestling. Uh, and a lot of folks are looking forward to it. Yeah, the one thing is All Elite Wrestling has been trying to portray that they are the uh, quote-unquote forbidden door, that they allow other wrestlers to come in and wrestle on their programming. They've had uh, some wrestlers from Impact Wrestling come in for a quick cup of coffee. Uh, Good Brothers are the team that I stand out about this. They have also allowed New Japan Pro Wrestlers to come over and wrestle. And if you haven't watched New Japan Pro Wrestling, they are the number two wrestling promotion worldwide behind WWE. Mm-hmm. So they have a long historic tradition of, of amazing matches, amazing wrestlers. Do yourself a favor. Go check them out if you haven't already. Yeah. And then Tony Khan this year, the head of AEW, thought it would be a kind of a cool idea to try doing a joint promotion because New Japan has been trying to grow the American audience for a little while now. They have New Japan Strong uh, that's been coming in stateside, and they've been kind of really trying to expand their global brand. Mm-hmm. AEW has been, like Pat alluded to, celebrating you know three-plus years now and kind of seeing where the direction is, and they're really trying to appease a lot of fans, primarily on the internet wrestling uh, scene, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And this is a situation that this card definitely has a lot to look forward to, and a lot that might be getting overlooked by some because the thing is, with AEW still being a growing brand like Pat alluded to, there's not a lot of big buzz behind this event outside of regular wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. So to get everybody to tune in for $50 this Sunday, 
what's the selling point, and that's what we're going to be talking about here. Yeah. So let's break down the card, kind of give you our thoughts, and uh, go from there. Yeah, so the first matchup we're going to talk about is a uh, three-way uh, tag match uh, for the ROH World Tag Team Championship and the IWGP Tag Team Championship, and the teams you have participating are FTR uh, in Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. Uh, versus the United Empire, that is Great O'Conn uh, and Jeff Cobb. Uh, and that also taking on is Rapogni Vice, that with being Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero. So this match is kind of a little bit shuffled from what we thought it was going to be. I'm happily okay with the switching of sure. how this match is set up. Because the one thing is, if you haven't followed AEW lately, Tony Khan is also about the Ring of Honor franchise. Right. So what the future of that promotion is, is very much still up in the air. To be determined. Yeah. So they do still have their champions, though. Jonathan Gresham is still their world champion. Samojo is their television champion. And FTR are their tag team champions. Yep. Now, when this card was put together, they were kind of plug and playing a lot of the wrestlers together. Mm-hmm. On AEW television, Trent Beretta is not exactly friends with FTR. Right. FTR are still, as we say, heels. Uh-huh. But this is kind of the friend of my friend, or uh, friend of my enemy is my friend. So it's kind of like a weird thing that I know I kind of butcher that statement, but you get my point. Yeah. So when they decided to plug in the IWGP Tag Team Champions, the Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb, who are freaking awesome, into the storyline, we thought maybe there would be more people from their United Empire faction from New Japan Pro Wrestling. They decided to make this just a straight-up six or three-way dance for the tag team titles. I love this match. I think this might be the match of the night, in my opinion. Uh-huh. FTR is the best tag team going right now. It's debatable. I mean, you can throw a couple names in there, but there's no other team hotter on the indie scene right now or in pro wrestling than FTR. So that said, I am taking FTR to win this. I know it's a winner-take-all belts, and to see them go over to New Japan I think would be very, very cool. Yeah, I think it's going to end up being FTR just because of the prospects and kind of the fun you can have with sending FTR over to New Japan. And, and the benefit it would have for both companies you know, would do pelt, uh, pay dividends. Absolutely. I think that this would be a huge win, and if you can kind of keep this feud going a little bit, I think it would be great. Or even if you had uh, Great Okan and Jeff Cobb win because they just won the IWGP tag titles. The over in New Japan Dominion, which is like their uh, number two pay per view event outside of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I think that that would work too, as long as you can continue that feud between FTR and the United Empire. So mm-hmm. I will say though, for this match, I fully think FTR is walking out with the belts. Somebody from Rapongi Vice is getting pinned. Probably. I'm just gonna call that right now. Probably. So, but I'm gonna go with FTR. Next up is for in a singles matchup for the AEW Women's World Championship, and you have Thunder Rosa defending her belt against Tony Storm. So this is an interesting match. Uh, this is going to be just all AEW. Yep. Uh, there is not a women's division in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this match has a lot of implications going on with it. One thing that I think every single AEW fan and pro wrestling fan has been very critical of, of how the AEW Women's Championship has been is Thunder Rosa has not gotten a lot of time to really run with the belt. Nope. And make a statement, even though her climb to the title has been fantastic. And finally getting that win over Britt Baker, who has been the franchise face of the AEW Women's Division, was a huge moment. Uh, Granted, it was a little kind of weird how we got there because it was like a match at a pay-per-view. She lost, and then they did the rematch, and that's where Thunder Rosa finally won. 
So now I think the powers of be at AEW have been finally listening mm-hmm. and have now put Thunder Rosa into a program where she's on TV now defending the belt and kind of getting some time to run with it. Tony Storm obviously is a big free agent that they did sign from WWE when she was released. This match is going to be great. I fully think, though, Thunder Rosa is going to win. I think that I could be surprised and Tony Storm wins, but this is how I unfortunately think this is playing out. I think Thunder Rosa is going to win, and I think that they are eventually going to wind up doing something where Britt Baker gets back to the title match. Probably. I'm fearing it's going to be at the Minnesota event that they're running, the Quake by the Lake, which was just announced in a, pro, in a pay-per-view. Great name. Or not pay-per-view, but a press release. Yeah, I mean, they, they always try doing kind of names like this yeah, when, when they yeah. travel. And this, and this is going to be a big event, too. I wouldn't doubt that they do the match there, if not at All Out, which is coming up in uh, Labor Day weekend for AEW. So that being said, I think it's going to be a great match. This could be match of the night, too, if they get enough time to wrestle. And I'm going to take Thunder Rosa in the win. Uh, I'm going to say Thunder Rosa as well, because reasons. Okay. Uh, next up is a singles matchup for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, and you've got champion Will Ospreay defending his belt against freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. So this is kind of an interesting match. The one that was not on my bingo card, if you uh, want to say when I was thinking about dream matches we could run. This is going to be fucking awesome. This is going to be an interesting Holy one. shit, it's going to be great. I mean, Will Osprey, if you haven't seen him wrestle, he might be one of the best wrestlers in the world, top five right now. It is definitely in, in that conversation. If you did not see his main event against Nick Wayne at GCW this past Sunday, do yourself a favor and track that match down. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. But the Commonwealth Kingpin has definitely been making some moves, just won the IWGP United States title, and is now poised to face one Orange Cassidy who is returning. Yep. And how this kind of all got thrown together was just in kind of a little weird skirmish on Dynamite. But yet, we are here. Orange Cassidy's style is very interesting. I fully think, though, Will Osprey is winning this one. Yeah. I think this one will surprise a lot of people. But I would have much rather seen Will Osprey in a more high-profile match against, say, the TNT champion. Mm -hmm. I think that would have made a lot more sense. Doing Orange Cassidy, I think, kind of takes a little bit away from some other matches they could have done, especially we were in attendance in New York when Orange Cassidy called out Zack Sabre Jr. Right. Well, Zack Sabre Jr. is part of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's, this is true. He's not facing Orange Cassidy. I thought that would have been a way better match. But this match will still be good. I want to stress that. But one that I'm very puzzled at. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it should be a great match. I think it's going to go under the radar just because it's – it's not. It's it's for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, but on paper you look at it and go, oh, okay, it's whatever. It's you know, it's an I get up and get food match. It's oh, I got to run to the bathroom if I if I have to match. But I think this very silently is going to be a very fun match. Yeah, I think this definitely has a lot of possibilities to it. Yeah. And Will Osprey is great, so yeah, what make it happen? Uh, next up is a six man tag team matchup. Uh, nothing on the line here, just six people going up against each other. Uh, and you've got Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino. Uh, taking on Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Ty Conti, of course, will be at ringside. Uh, and they have a team name that I absolutely refuse to fucking say because that is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I have to agree with you. This is something that I will give you the breakdown of how this all came to be, Pat. Okay. So this past week on AEW Dynamite, we had the two gentlemen involved in the main event. 
of the show, John Moxley and Tanahashi in the ring, and they were doing a promo segment kind of hyping up their match. Sure. Chris Jericho crashes it. Now, if you haven't fallen lately, he's now kind of taken on this weird uh, character persona of the wizard. Yeah. And the head of the Jericho Appreciation Society, which just basically think if the Backstreet Boys were pro wrestlers, that's them. Good Lord. Uh, It's a weird thing. I'm not a super fan of it. Um, I understand why it's entertaining, but I'm just I'm not like there yet with it. So we all thought Jericho was going to get added to this. Well, we then get a run in from Lance Archer and it just turns into this big mess where you now had Sammy Guevara come in with Ty Conti and then Eddie Kingston came running in and it was just it was this big cluster mess, man, Mm -hmm. to put it mildly to just announce that one. Sammy Guevara is now the latest member of the Jericho Appreciation Society because reasons. And now that they're going to have a kind of makeshift match with Kingston, Yuta, and Shota. So this match, I'll be honest, I'm not super excited about. I don't really care. The only thing I like to see is Minoru Suzuki versus Eddie Kingston. Sure. I will be there all day for that. Sure. And other than that, I feel that Jericho's team is going to win. Um, I don't have a lot of expectations for this one to be honest such, with you. So it sounds like you should set your bar real low for this one yeah i'm just i, I i'm sorry at this stage like i love eddie kingston he's great yuda yeah. yuda and shota is gonna be put on a great show i just and suzuki is always on point but i just think for like overall reasons behind this there's no storyline in it's just gonna kind of be thrown together and you know i'm not the biggest sammy gravara fan Two thirds of two thirds of the participants in this match will be real into it and and really trying to put on a good match the other third, the other uh, third. Well, we'll see. Yeah, so I'm going in with a low expectation, but I'm going to say Chris Jericho's team is going to win because he's Chris Jericho. Enough said. Se- sextuple knockout. Uh, everybody, everybody loses. Uh, next up is a four way match for the inaugural AEW All Atlantic Championship, where you've got Pac taking on uh, to- Tomohiro Ishii, and then also uh, Malachi Black. Or Penta Oscuro? Am I reading this right? Yep, it'll be, but it'll be Malachi Black. Oh, okay, so yeah, Pac versus Miro versus either Malachi Black or Penta versus Tamahiro Ishii. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so what they decided to do is randomly, because Pad, why? Reasons. Reasons. AEW has now announced a new title belt, the All-Atlantic Championship, which I don't honestly understand why. Do you really need it? No, you, you don't. They have way too many titles, if you, especially if you include everybody from ROH. The more you complain about your competition, the more you become like them. I know. Just it's, saying. It's a mess. Count it, the belts. It's an absolute mess. Main roster belts, not on NXT. Yeah, going on with this. So that being said, you are going to have Ishii come in representing New Japan Pro Wrestling. They've had a tournament where they've had wrestlers from all over the world uh, yeah. compete. So that's how you have Pac rep, you know, coming in. Yeah. Miro. They're going to have a match between Malachi Black and Penta this okay. Wednesday, but uh, mark my words, Malachi Black is walking out of this, and we'll just say for reasons and leave it at that. So that being said, we're going to have a, good, a very cool four-way going on for this. I fully am banking Malachi Black walks out of here with a belt. I could see them giving it to Pac, but I don't really get why. Mm-hmm. For a faction that is now taking up a lot of steam, they're getting a lot of good internet buzz, and rightfully so. The House of Black needs a title. Yeah. If you don't give it to them, I don't get what you're going to wind up doing with them. They're just wasting yeah. time. So that said, this is Malachi Black's match to lose. 
I would be very surprised if somebody else won. Yeah. Because, like, they could give it to Miro, but then again, why? Like, I just, right. he just came back out of nowhere. I don't think the crowd is really behind him yet in that aspect because nope. his gimmick is still... Look at me, I'm great. It's it's weird. I'm sorry. Like the promos, I just I don't personally get, but I'm like, okay, whatever. But this is Malachi's to lose, in my opinion. So if he doesn't win this one, um, yeah, I'm probably gonna have a few things to say on Twitter about it. So mark the tape for that. Yeah, I would not be happy about this if Malachi doesn't go end new. I I don't think I don't think it'll be Ishii. Although that'd be really cool to see a swerve like that. Mm -hmm. But outside that, I really don't care. Like Pac, he's a good wrestler. Don't care. Miro, absolutely don't care. Malachi Black, don't care. Penta, I like him in the tag team with with Phoenix. Yeah, but like in the singles, eh, don't really care. So, yeah, whatever. Uh, main event is going to be for the singles matchup for the interim AEW World Championship, and it is going to be John Moxley taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. So this is kind of an interesting setup because we have to go back and do a little uh, quick recap. Sure. CM Punk won the AEW World title at Double or Nothing. Yep. Unfortunately, he suffered a foot injury. Required surgery. Required surgery. He's out. It was it was like the week from hell because there was like four or five other wrestlers that week, big wrestlers in the, the major federations that all got hurt. Mm-hmm. So that being said, AEW came up with this quick remedy about getting a world title idea going confused the fuck out of everybody but hey we got there in the end yeah because john moxley was going to take on the winner of a battle royal who turned out to be kyle o'reilly the winner of that match that night well it was going to face uh the winner of a match from new japan dominion which Tanahashi was involved in yep and lo and behold we're finally here which because originally it was going to be punk versus tanahashi which on paper real good oh on paper is really good so this match will be very good oh yeah but the question becomes then who is going to win? Because the winner is going to be the AEW World Champion. Well, interim. Interim, because CM Punk's not going to have the belt off. We don't have a timetable when he's coming back. We right. just know he had surgery, and right. then that's what's going to be. Right. So that being said, it's an interesting setup. I talked about this in Blogs Count Anywhere on, on Parlay Points on ODPHpodcast.com. What happens with both scenarios? Mm-hmm. If Tanahashi wins, he takes the belt back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's mm-hmm. gone. How is the AEW fans who complain about Brock Lesnar disappearing with a title for numerous months at a time going to handle with their belt not being defended on TV? Hmm. Also, are they going to try spinning that the AEW TNT title is now of equal value? And then Hmm. that's going to be the replacement until they decide what they're going to figure out to do with Punk and and Tanahashi? Because I know Tanahashi did throw it out there that Punk could face him at Wrestle Kingdom right. in New Japan, which would be huge. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think people realize how big that would be yeah. if, if Punk went over there. So that's one scenario that could play out. The other one, which I fear they're going to do, is Moxley is going to win. And it's nothing against Moxley, but hear me out. He is now part of this face faction, the Blackpool Combat Club. Right. Brian Danielson, Wheeler Yuta, William yep. Regal. Yep. So, he wins the belt. He's basically waiting for Punk to come back. Mm-hmm. Punk, we don't know the timetable, so I want to stress this is going to be for a few months. Yeah. You can keep the belt on Moxley and in that faction, and then the storyline becomes when Punk comes back, he has to fight back for his title. It's supposed to be for an interim, you know, immediate title match, but let's say they pull shenanigans. 
Moxley says, no, you got to go through Wheeler Yuta to get to me. No, you got to go through Brian Danielson to get to me. Mm. And they'd start doing the heel thing where mm-hmm. eventually the match is there and Punk gets his big you know, deal probably at Revolution. So are you willing to kind of wait around that long with your world title? Mm-hmm. That's another scenario that you got to figure out. So as it stands right now, I fear they're going to do that, even though I think the smart play would be Tanahashi. But I'm going to say Moxley wins this. Now, there are a couple factors that are in play here that we haven't talked about, Pat. Sure. This coming Wednesday, as we record, Brian Danielson is going to address the AEW fans and give an update about his injury status. Uh Uh-oh. So we don't know the status of him with Forbidden Door. We don't know the status of him with the Blood and Guts match. They're war games style that is supposed to happen after. I can tell you his status for Forbidden Door, at least according to the card, he ain't there. Well, that's the whole thing, because he allegedly was supposed to be taken on Zack Sabre Jr. Mm. Now, they did not make that match official. Could ZSJ show up on Dynamite and call him out and kind yeah, of force him? there's still time. There's still time, and, you know, that would make sense. And then, like I said, that would be the two best technical wrestlers, not named John Gresham, in a match that you can watch this year. Yeah. I would love him for add Gresham in there just for reasons, but, my God, I, I don't think they're going to do that. I'm just thinking about if Gresham was added in there, so I needed a moment. He is so damn good if you haven't seen him. Um, so that being said, you have that match that could get added. Yeah. Or they might want to do something there. The other match that everybody hasn't talked about is Jay White, the IWGP world champion. Right. Did come out on Dynamite and was talking to Hangman Adam Page, who challenged Okada. But obviously, Okada was defeated by Jay White at New Japan Dominion. Right. So that match kind of went up in smoke. Page came out and was saying he'll take on Jay White. Jay White, or actually Adam Cole, came out and interrupted. And Adam Cole Baby. decided to say, no, you're not going to get the match. We're going to do this whole undisputed elite versus Bullet Club because reasons. And Jay White came out, took out Adam Page, and basically said, you're not getting the title shot. And Cole, you're not getting it either. I'm picking out my opponent. Ooh. So that all said... I think what they're doing there is they're kind of buying another week to find out what Kenny Omega is doing. Right. Because obviously Kenny Omega has a long history uh, with New Japan Pro Wrestling. It would make a lot of sense for him to be on this card. Kenny has been out recovering from injuries. Mm -hmm. So we don't know his status. Right. But if they wanted to add him to the the card and obviously against Jay White, they could. So that's why I say there are a couple wrestlers that are going to get added into the mix here. Right. I just don't know how that's going to shape up, but that could also affect the main event because if they do something like Moxley wins, I would not doubt immediately that Adam Cole doesn't challenge him for the belt Hmm. to have the heel faction have the belt. Right. And then they can wait till Punk comes back, and then you have Cole versus Punk, and then you can go from there with that. Mm Mm-hmm. So there are some storylines that are going to be playing out that we'll have to watch AEW Dynamite and Rampage this week to kind of figure out how everything shapes up. So, Pad, that being said, we know it's been well documented. You're not the biggest AEW fan, to say the least. Yep. How do you feel about this card on paper just looking at it outside looking in? Meh. Okay. Meh. I mean, the tag team matchup looks good. You know, I've seen Jeff Cobb in person. You know, I have not seen FTR in person, and I haven't seen Trent Beretta or Rocky Romero in person. But, like, I've heard good things about them. That should be good. The women's match should be decent. Uh, Will Osprey versus Lawrence Cassidy is should be fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tag team matchup is a fucking travesty and an absolute joke. Sorry, no offense to Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, or Shota Umino, or the great Minoru Suzuki, 
uh, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti can all fuck off. Uh, the, the fatal four way is an absolute clusterfuck that I just don't give two shits about. And then the main event should be good on paper, but what the fuck you do with it? I have no goddamn idea on paper. I'm going to say Tanahashi because, well, fuck at some point, new Japan's got to get a win out of this goddamn thing. Otherwise they're getting shafted just for new uh, AEW to put themselves over, you know? So barring them putting another matchup in there where a new Japan person can win. I think you got to have Tanahashi win the main event just because, Listen, Punk versus Tanahashi would be fucking amazing. You don't need to have an immediate match for that. You can let that build. Have them do it at Wrestle Kingdom or something. Really put over Wrestle Kingdom and further the the relationship between AEW and New Japan. But overall, eh. Like they're like for what it's it was billed as is oh it's the forbidden door. It's matchups you never thought you'd see, but you're finally getting to see dream matches. I'm not seeing a whole lot on here that's making me go, you know what? I'm not a uh, viewer of AEW, but I got to watch this. It's not doing it for me. No, that's fair, and that's why I wanted your opinion on this because, like I say, you're the market that I think they want to try bringing in to go check this card out. And I think that that's where they're going to struggle with this a little bit. I'm hoping it does big numbers. I really do. I watch AEW. You can tell by Twitter every week. But this is a situation that I think on paper they do have some good matches planned out. I think due to injuries, it's not as great as it could be. Well, injuries and then other reasons. Yeah, and other reasons. Contractual reasons. Mm-hmm. There's there's certain factors that are going against them for this. But I think for the initial event, there are some headlines we can definitely keep our eyes on and definitely kind of watch as we progress forward with it. But I think that they're going to really struggle with a couple storylines pending if they really don't fine-tune a couple things mm-hmm. before Sunday. I mean, they do have time. That's the good thing. Will they capitalize on it? is debatable. I think this Wednesday we'll have a lot of people from New Japan Pro Wrestling in there to promote the event. Oh, probably. Which will be huge for the internet wrestling community. But what they really need to do, and I know people from AEW listen to this show and read blogs count anywhere, and I'm going to stress this. You now have a four-day window to media blast this event Everywhere you physically can. Just get the messages out at a reasonable time and not 15 minutes before. Yeah. You got to really pump this out to every single media market you can going into the weekend. Heed my advice. This is where you need your wrestlers to get on Twitter and their social medias. Plug this, plug this, plug this. You need to give this the proper big fight feel it needs. I feel that you sold out the United Center and listen, we all knew that was going to happen. But you need this to be a dominant force on social media to generate that buzz and then give fans a reason to tune in on Wednesday to see the fallout. So take my advice. And you guys know where to find me on Twitter at OD Parlay Hour. I will give that to you for free if you want to do deep diving on that. Anybody at AEW, talk to me. I'm here for you. But that being said, that is our take for AEW and New Japan Forbidden Door. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the big event? Let's talk about it and keep it locked to all the 607 Podcast family for more pro wrestling content throughout the weekend. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Kind of talk a little local minute. Uh, looking at the Binghamton Rumble Ponies from their last week of action uh, they're, for their series against the Bowie. I believe they're called the Bay Sox. Uh, they had their game on Tuesday where they lost by the final score of 9 to nothing. Had a doubleheader on Wednesday where they won the first game, final score of 13 to 1. Lost the second game by the final score of 4 to nothing. Uh, came back on Thursday, lost by the final score of 7 to 6. Lost again on Friday by the final score of 9 to 8. One on Saturday, final score of 8-5, to five, and then one on Sunday by the final score of 8-4. to four. Uh, They start this week with a series against the Reading Fightin' Phils. Uh, Tuesday, this Tuesday game is of note because the one, the only, the Cy Young Award winner, the World Series champion, Max Scherzer. Who? Yeah, exactly. Is in town to uh, make a scheduled rehab start uh, for Binghamton. Also, is the uh, making a rehab start is the uh, catcher for the New York Mets, James McCann. Uh, good luck if you are good luck finding a ticket for this damn thing because it is a sold out uh, event, standing room only. Literally, like good for them. Literally, like went to the website because I'd heard some reports that it was uh, sold out, but nothing from the official social media of the Rumble Ponies. But when I went to the website and tried to look for the hypothetically buy a ticket. Uh, literally the only spot left was in like the, the party deck area they have at the stadium, which is like standing room only. Uh, so, Hey, good for them. Uh, that game is taking place as we record. It was for six thirty-five PM Eastern, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, they can have a game on Wednesday, the 22nd, also six thirty-five PM Eastern. Uh, should note, uh, the Wednesday game is $1 dog day. Great. Always a great promotion. Can't go wrong with that. Absolutely not. Uh, tw- the 23rd is also a six thirty-five PM start time. Uh, tw- the 24th is a 7.05 start time and should note that is Pride Night so definitely show out for that mm-hmm. uh, Saturday the 25th is a 6.35pm Eastern start time that is Stud Muffins 2.0 night the Oh God! return of the muffin uh, I know they're going to be wearing Stud Muffin hats Stud Muffin uniforms uh, because if for those who don't know uh, when the baseball team started here locally, it was called the Binghamton Mets because mm-hmm. they were the affiliate of the New York Mets. Then they decided to go through a rebrand, uh, had some folks in the area come up with some team names. They picked like, it was like five or six of them. I forget how many. One of the ones that made the final cut were the Stud Muffins. They were my pick to win the whole goddamn thing, but obviously they didn't. They became known as the Rumble Ponies. But uh, one night a year, they do become the Stud Muffins. So this uh, that is taking place this Saturday at 6.35 p.m. Eastern, uh, and it is titled Return of the Muffin. Uh, and then finally, to close out the homestand, they have a game on Sunday at 1.05 p.m. Eastern, uh, and that is belated Father's Day celebration. So not quite sure what's going on with that, but hey, if you forgot to give your father something for Father's Day, uh, well, there's another opportunity to. Uh, more information, tickets, and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. Minor League Baseball at its finest, folks. Uh-huh. Uh, switching over to the Major Leagues, uh, the All-Star Ballot for the 2020 22 uh, All-Star Game, which is taking place in Los Angeles, uh, the Dodgers specifically, if I'm not mistaken, has opened and we got our first look at uh, who's leading the positions in the American League and National League. Not going to go through and read every single, like all five players, but just kind of like the number one vote getters at each position for the American League. Uh, Leading at first base for the American League from the Toronto Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Leading at second base from the Houston Asterisks, Jose Altuve. And if you're voting for him, fuck you. (laughs) Leading at third base from the Boston Red Sox, Rafael Devers. Leading at shortstop from the Toronto Blue Jays, Bo Bichette. Uh, And then leading in the outfield, obviously it's the top three guys get in there. Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. Shocker to no one. Number two is Mike Trout of the Angels. And then number three is George Springer of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. 
Uh, over on the, and then for catcher, you have Alejandro Kirk from the Toronto Blue Jays in the number one spot. And then leading a designated hitter from the Houston Asterisks, Jordan Alvarez. And if you're voting for him, fuck you. Over on the National League side, leading at first base for is from the uh, St. Louis Cardinals is Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, second base is Jazz Chisholm Hall Jr. from the uh, Florida Marlins. Uh, or excuse me, Miami Marlins. Leading at third base from the San Diego Padres, Manny Machado. Leading at shortstop from the L.A. Dodgers, Trey Turner. Leading And then in the outfield, uh, first place is Mookie Betts from the L.A. Dodgers. Ronald Acuna Jr. from the uh, world champion Atlanta Braves. And then number three is Jock Peterson from the San Francisco Giants. Leading at catcher is Wilson Contreras from the Chicago Cubs. And then designated hitter is Bryce Harper from the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, so if you want to get in on the vote, it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, you go to MLB.com and you'll be able to go vote there from the homepage. There'll be a link right there for you. You can vote, I believe it's up to five times a day from uh, now up through. It's like the day, there's a, there's a date on the website when you can stop voting. But it's like five times a day or something like that. So definitely vote. It's a lot of fun. You know, All-Star Game is a lot of fun now that it's not so serious for world series home field advantage you know so definitely uh, the summer classics coming up real cool uh, real soon yeah it's definitely that time of year i mean it's crazy but the yankees are doing so well it's yeah, it feels like they're in postseason form i mean first, yeah, first team to 50 wins uh-huh come at us uh-huh so on my end gotta talk a very quick thing about ufc so this past week was a ufc fight night yeah it kind of really fell under the radar 14 fights i want to say were on the card. it was something absurd Oof. like that so the ones that really stood out to me josh emmett defeated calvin Qatar. In the main event for the, in the featherweight division, so Josh Emmett coming back looking very strong. Yeah, uh, definitely interested to see how this kind of shakes up the featherweight division. I know that he shot up the rankings. I know some people were kind of mad online about how they matter, but listen, folks, it's going to be plug and play about who's going to be the next one to face off the, against the winner of Volkanovski versus Holloway. Because depending on who wins that, and I want to say it's really spoiler, it's going to be Volkanovski. It's a new face that he hasn't gone through yet. So, like, listen, if, if it's Emmett Cool, if it's somebody else, they're going to just plug and play because there's a lot of question marks going into that main event. But we'll talk about that when that fight happens a little closer. Also notable wins, Kevin Holland had, defeats Tim Means by submission in the second round in the welterweight division. Kevin Holland, mm. keep an eye. Uh-huh. I know he definitely makes a lot of noise, literally. But, uh, listen, he's somebody that you definitely want to keep an eye on. And Joaquin Buckley defeated Albert Durevis in a middleweight knockout in the second round. So definitely some good fight action going on. I know there's a fight night this weekend. Yep. But to be honest with you, it's all, a little quiet. It's a little quiet, and all eyes are focused towards July 2nd for UFC uh, 276, which is a huge, huge fight card, which we'll be talking about on the show when it comes around. So definitely keep an eye out for that. And last but not least... Who said we weren't going to talk some hockey? I'm going to say we have breaking news in hockey. You oh. want, the, want the breaking news or you want to do the Stanley Cup first? Um, I will do the Stanley Cup first because okay. I'll, I'll make this super quick. Obviously, everybody knows that the New York Rangers were egregiously not allowed into the finals because Tampa Bay decided to pull off a stunning win for reasons. Their passports got lost. Yeah, I mean, we're still bitter about that. But we have been told online that we need to talk more hockey. And you know what? Who are we to say no? So that being said, we know we do know that the matchup is between the one and only Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I got. I got to admit, I've I watched a little bit of the games for the uh, Stanley Cup. I kind of want to go to a Colorado Avalanche game, if for no other reason than to sing Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, that is that is my new favorite tra- tradition. 
They're fun out there. Oh my god! If you haven't seen it, look up a video online. There's some point in the game. I don't know when it takes place. Takes place, but in the arena, they start playing all the small things by Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, that's fun. And and the entire arena will start singing it. And obviously, as the play gets ready to start it back up, the fans will keep singing it. It is my new favorite tradition, and I want to go to an Avalanche game for no other reason than to sing all the small things. I mean, we do know somebody out there in Colorado. So Brian Wayne, let's talk, shall we? We might have to take a road trip out next season. But that being said, uh, the series currently is 2-1 Colorado, surprisingly. So I was wrong about this. Uh, game one was an overtime thriller with the Avalanche defeating the Lightning 4-3. Yeah. Second game was a video game score. <laughs> Defense optional. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Avalanche won 7 to, to nothing. nothing. Yeah. Not, what? I flipped over the game at one point. I went, what the fuck? Yeah, I saw that and I was like, thought I was watching like a video game. Like I was, when Rich and I were watching this, when we were down at uh, yeah. New York yeah. for GCW. We were like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Like, no, this this does not go down. And then game three, Tampa Bay came back to Tampa Bay form, uh, defeating the Avalanche 6-2. So Wednesday night is game four at Tampa Bay. Uh, it's a whole new series. So if Tampa Bay is going to make this interesting, they got to mm-hmm. win that one. Um, if I'm Colorado, I want to end this very quickly. So yeah. the fact that Tampa has some momentum. So don't give Tampa any room to breathe. Exactly. They got to jump They got to jump on them early. They've been doing a, a really good job about that, skating really fast up and down the ice. Kale McCarr has been looking lights out, too, in this. So definitely they want to keep that pressure going, and they do not want to give Tampa any room to move because Tampa was looking sluggish in games one, and especially yeah. games two. Yeah. They look tired. So that being said, this is Colorado's to lose right now, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not down this goes to seven, to be honest with you, because if Tampa gets a win here, uh, it's going to be some tough games going forward. But that's one of the things. You can watch playoff hockey, unless it's the Rangers, and then we take the season off because it's over to us. Yeah, well, now we got some breaking news. It's very appropriate that you're wearing your Rangers shirt for this uh, bit of breaking news. Uh, the NHL awards are being handed out as we currently record. And your 2021-2022 Vesnia Trophy Award winner... Igor! ...goes to Igor Shesterkin. Let's go! Shesty won the award for best goaltending in the National Hockey League. I'm all in for that. My God. The the man carried that team through that playoffs. Even blocking shots he had no rights doing. Uh-huh. Listen, I fault him for nothing in the playoffs. I think Igor is the future of this franchise. The Rangers are looking in the right direction. I know we've got some off-season questions to answer, especially involving a few contracts of some role players. Mm -hmm. I know Kakao's contract is everybody's talking about that one right now. I think he'll get re-signed. I think we're going to kind of have to see how much, though. That's the only question. But I think we're going to be losing a few players that definitely showed up in the playoffs. Makes me a little nervous for next season, but in Blue Shirt Nation, we trust in Igor. Well deserved. Mm, very well the, the deserved. Best goalie in the league is hanging in Madison Square Garden. So who wants to come visit him? Bring it on. That's where he hangs out. Game on. <sighs> All right. Way, way to end the show on a good note, Pat. Yeah, happy to. Thank you. Thank you. I know you started off a little rough, so now it's like time to talk good good stuff. And we're talking good stuff. The music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. Brian is doing a few big things down in Texas. Yes, he is. It's tough to keep track of him, but where do I go if I want to find out? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the music section. You check out everything going on him. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Mm-hmm. And I want to plug them for a quick second. Born to Play is the new album. Okay. Allegedly, it is done. Ooh. Allegedly, it's getting mixed right now. Nice. 
And allegedly, Tyler Reed should be sending us some music involving said album. Ten, ten, twink, wink, notch, notch. Well, I know he's long overdue to come on 607 TWS. Like, this is like Joey DiCarlo coming on So Wizard. Like, that's how long we're talking. Or coming on the ODPH, rather, should say with Joey. So, keep an eye out for what they're doing. I know that they have the Suter Slam concert going on later this summer. Second Suter's got a bunch of cool things going on, so you definitely want to go support the hell out of them. Tyler's fantastic. Can't speak enough highly things about him as well, too. Also, Floodlands, shout at the Robots, who's fantastic as well, too. But, you know, if you listen to every group that we mentioned, like Yard Party and Tom Jolu, you go find their music and you're like, I understand why the ODPH keeps talking about them because they're that great. Also, while you're at the website, check out Parlay Points. New blogs count anywhere coming out this week. I'll probably be doing my last-minute predictions for AEW and New Japan's Forbidden Door. Maybe I'll throw in a little Glory Pro, Major League Wrestling, NWA, Impact. I mean, we've got some stuff we can talk about, so definitely uh, stay tuned for that. Dropping later this week, but the current edition is out right now, so make sure you go follow that. The Classified section, which has friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games. Pad, we don't plug them enough. Mm-hmm. They are kind of like our second home away from the studio, and Ricky and Dawn and everybody over there uh, obviously house the 8122 Productions team over there, and they've been more than gracious about letting us come over and hang out with them and do events there as well with Rich you know, and the whole team there. So we want to make sure we plug them. Their stuff is on the website. Go If you need your gaming needs in the 607 and outside, go check them out. They're fantastic people. Can't hook them up enough as well. But also at the Classifieds, we also have organizational link support in Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we're in via their Podchaser pages. And we have 8122 Productions and 607 Podcasts in there. So, of course, shout-out to our guys, Rich Ron, Mike C., and the one and only Diesel, who broke down a Bronx tale this week. Wow. I love that movie. It's they, a good movie. They took that suggestion from a patron. So if you're signed up, you can help dictate a show. So $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. Anything else is involving Diesel, and I do not want to be held liable. So... We just keep it there. But also, while you're at the website, check out the directory, which, Pad, how many providers are we on now? Uh, 62,721. Man, we grow every single week. So if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know. We'll try making that happen for you. That's how much we care. But that's how easy it is to go follow the show, subscribe to the show, and you don't miss a minute of content. T Public Store, sale going on this week, last one for June. So you definitely want to get that ODPH swag, especially the new logo here and a lot of rave reviews about. So if everybody's like, well, can I go get it? Absolutely. And no better time to get it than on sale. That's why I say get it for sale price. Any support to the show is always greatly appreciated. So I don't care if you pay full price. I don't care if you pay half price. It means the world to us that everybody's rocking it like Stu was doing this weekend. Seeing him take social media pictures of that Parley Club shirt. Shout out to you, sir. But all that and anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week, Pat. So for the one only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. In Igor, we trust. In Igor, I believe. And as always, thank you for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Sweet.
heart.